podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Basketball season is finally here, Big 12 fans. And for your home for men's and women's basketball, come to Midwest Madness. We are doing game coverages, going over game analysis, different rankings of teams, and consistently looking at the best matchups in the conference. You're not going to want to miss out on all the amazing basketball coverage we have, so go check out Midwest Madness. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. And welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I am your host, Andy Mitz. Today, we are taking a look at all of the news that has happened for the Kansas Jayhawks basketball team. Since they won the national title, like we talked about it briefly after just how great it was for the title and kind of all of that aftermath. But of course, after the season ends, that's when all the fun really begins in terms of the roster, the guys declaring for the NBA draft. You know, some of them may be back. Most of them probably won't be back. The transfer portal has been open. The, the deadline has passed for players to actually declare that they're entering the transfer portal um, and be able to play next year. That does not preclude people from actually leaving still. Um, but to here to kind of talk about all of that, take a look at college basketball and kind of put a nice bow on the 2022 season. It is Kyle Davis, uh, our, our editor over at Blue Wings Rising. Kyle, how are you doing today? It's been a month since the title game. That, that's kind of crazy to me. Yeah, I agree. Like, it's absolutely insane to think that it's already been a month. Actually, the, the Jayhawks basketball Twitter account put out, you know, the whole video clip of Bill Self. It's like, you know, I haven't come down yet. And of course he said that like a week after the game. Um, but the feeling I think still applies. Like to go back and think about the, that this is the team that won the national title. It's still fantastic to think about. We will get to say that they are the, uh, the reigning national championship or champions all next year, which will be absolutely fantastic. And, and look, they've got a lot of guys that are leaving, but a lot of guys that are potentially coming back and some really nice players waiting in the wings to step up for next year. So we'll kind of talk about all of that. But before we get there, I haven't had a chance to talk to you since they actually won the title. So kind of your thoughts, you know, now we've had a month to kind of reflect on it. Is there anything that really jumps out to you about that run any of the particular players or anything. I know that they just put up the actual full game broadcast over on YouTube. I just watched that the other night and it was great to watch it the second time, even as horrible as that first half was. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the, the, the mentality of this group is just really, I think we'll get them. Obviously. I mean, you're, they're going to be, you know, they, they have cemented themselves in Jayhawk, you know, the history books and legend and forlore and whatever of that for winning the title. But I think even just the way they did it too, you know, they've, they're really holding on to the, the comeback kids kind of mantra. Um, but it is, you know, I, I would say to just the, the fact that I, it was a knock before that, you know, Oh, there's no, there's no stars. There's no lottery picks. Although Ochai might be in, in time, you know, there's no, like, I, I think, even with Ochai, there's no like uh, uh, generational talent in terms of that. But I think that that really undersells just how well this team came together, even over the the obstacles of Remy's injury and being in and out and how he fit in afterward and, and everyone kind of getting their role. And again, just the the mentality to we've seen some some KU teams in recent history that like, you know, you always have a target on your back and you get hit in the face and they kind of, OK, I'm not up for that. Like this team this was one where even at halftime and, and I know a lot of us um, uh, even at Blue Wings Rising are, are kind of just pessimists at heart because we expect the worst at every corner. 
but like th- this is the team where even when you're down 15, it's like, well, if someone's going to come back, I guess this is the one to do it. They proved it against Miami. They proved bad showings against Providence. Like they did it against Kansas State in the regular season. And so the, I think the, you know, the, there's, the, I, I love that it's not one guy, you know, like with the, with the 2018, when we made it to the, to the, the final four, it was the Malik Newman run. Like obviously Devonte was there and Steve were there and they're, they're great. But like, that was like the, Oh, Malik in his epic run. This was David. It was Ochai. It was Remy. It was Christian being clutch after kind of maybe ghosting for a while. And so I just think that the team aspect of it and just that mentality, I think will be, I think that'll age well in people's minds over the next five, 10, 15 years. Yeah. The other thing to think about with this team too, is like, this was a team where you didn't really know what you were getting, right? Like every single night, it was a different guy. Even when, you know, you, you think back to the 2018 run, like you were talking about, you know, it took Malik Newman playing significantly better than he had all year long. Um, to get them to a level where they could make the final four. I don't know that that team, if Malik Newman had been playing, going into the Big 12 tournament, going to the, the NCAA tournament, had been playing the way that he normally was, I don't know that that team had enough all-around talent to be able, like, he was the missing piece, right? So he started playing really well. Kansas, on the other hand, like, when Remy Martin started going off in the Big 12 tournament and then in the NCAA tournament, like, that, that was an added bonus, right? We all felt, I think, you know, um, justifiably felt like this team had the talent to make a deep run as long as everybody showed up. And then when Remy gave them another option to be able to, you know, they, they could have another guy that was off on a particular night and still be able to survive it. It was kind of icing on the cake a little bit, but you know, obviously you don't want to like talk about it that way because, because of the off night, some other guys had that if they didn't have Remy, there was a really good chance that they wouldn't have made it as far as they did. But like it wasn't this this team, I think, had enough guys that could do enough different things and they had enough guys that had shown they could do enough, you know, like they could they could rely on a different guy every single night. And, you know, while while you say we like we are fairly pessimistic over Blue Wings Rising, I like to think of it more as, you know, very realistic, because when you get down by 16, you know, early in the second half of a game, it is not very likely you come back no matter how talented you are, especially since it wasn't like North Carolina was playing out of their minds better than they had been playing you know, the, the prior three weeks, like the Villanova game in 2018 and against the final four, it was like, yes, that was a good three point shooting team, but nobody really shoots that well from three. And it wasn't like a thing where, um, you know, like that one, you at least could have made an argument going into halftime. Oh, well, if they come back to where they normally are in shooting threes, then Kansas has a chance to get back in this game. You could talk yourself into that. The game against North Carolina this year, I don't know that you really could have said the same thing, right? Like Kansas was down by quite a bit. They were getting beat all over the floor. Like the only hope that you really had was, well, North Carolina has to, you know, have guys that get into foul trouble or something has to happen so that these guys can't play well. And, and obviously it did. Like in the second half, Kansas went on a, on a big run really quickly. I was surprised by how quickly they went on the run. And I think most of us were kind of bracing ourselves for the fact that, look, we've seen them do this before, but it was against a Kansas State team that was nowhere near as good as this North Carolina team. Like this team, if they get on a run, they can do it. The question is, how likely is it that they're going to be able to do it? And But once they got rolling, you knew that this team had the resilience. They had the ability to come back. They had so many guys. You know, this team, I think the thing that I'm going to remember the most about this team is how much they spread the love when they were spreading the basketball. Like, they had so many guys that could step up, that could do all kinds of different things here, um, that it was hard to guard this team. It was hard to shut down this team entirely because they had so many options. And I think that's what I'm going to remember the most. I think that's what's going to make it the easiest to think so favorably about this team is because, you know, they're, they're, they're doing this barnstorming tour. Like 
I can't think of any one particular player that everybody wants to see, you know, that would like make or break that tour. Like everybody wants to see all of these players because everybody loves these players in some fashion. And there are a large contingent of fans who their favorite player is that particular player. And it's like, you can go down the line, you know, I can't even, I, I saw some things from the early stops on the barnstorming tour where like Mitch had his own contingent of people that wanted to come and see him. You know, you had Christian, you know, people that wanted to come and talk to Tian, like Every single one of these guys is beloved by some f- section of the fan base. And I don't know that we have seen very many teams where it was such like it was spread out so much in terms of who your favorite player was from that particular team. And maybe this is kind of a, a an interesting transition into kind of the offseason, too, because I think part of it is, you know, like one and dones dominate the regular season. I think experience dominates March Madness. And not only the fact that these, you know, this team was had a lot of juniors and seniors, but they also had a lot of guys who like they were around for the USC blowout. They were around a lot, some of them for the the Auburn blowout in 2019. Like they had almost, you know, like they had to uh, like cut their teeth on some brutal losses in order to get here. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why, you know, I, again, some of it's a mentality thing, some of it's an experience thing. Some of it's just, I think they've, they've, been there to where the, the disappointment and kind of know what that next step is that needs to happen and plus that they, they share the wealth and they got it like this is just a team that I, I think we'll see like there's gonna be a lot of new faces next year I don't know how many of these new guys are going to stay or even when you factor in like you know three years now when you look at like even a Bobby Pettiford and a KJ Adams plus if you know like um MJ Rice or some of the other freshmen coming in stay like could you have another one of those in another two or three years where these guys have cut their teeth they're still together and you see something similar to that yeah it's it's one of those things you know even when you think about the best teams that were full of one and dones right like you know the, I think the, the poster child for that is 2012 Kentucky who Kansas played um, you know in the national title game like they had a lot of really great you know guys that were freshmen but what they did, what they also had is they had, you know, one or two seniors in their lineup that were guys that were super experienced that knew how to handle the pressure that could kind of help the new guys along. What Kansas's best teams have had is a lot of those guys, right? Like Kansas has not been a team and Bill Self especially has not been, you know, a coach that wants to go out and get all of the flashy one and dones. Um, you know, he has been very big about guys learning the system. And you see this with transfers that come in. You see this with, you know, freshmen. You have to earn your playing time. You have to show that you are better than the upperclassman who's in front of you in order to get your time on the court. Um, I think that has worked really well for Kansas. And while they have not gotten some luck, you know, like I, I think I think back to a lot of the times where they ended up bowing out of the tournament a lot earlier than than you would have expected. And almost every single one of those was either an absolutely phenomenal lights out shooting performance by the opponent that was completely unexpected or injuries like, you know, even even last year. Right. When David McCormick got had covid and was coming back from covid against against uh, USC, like you can go back pretty much you know the last seven or eight years and the disappointing exits for the Jayhawks have all been due to something that you can't really control for. Um, this year, everything kind of worked for them and they finally were able to do it. But this is the way that Bill Self has built his team is, you know, you get a bunch of guys who, who get a bunch of experience, kind of help the newer people along. You bring in the right the right amount of people that have been here not very long to hit spots that you need. And then you build from there. Now, I, I do agree with you, like a lot of these guys that are leaving and we'll actually talk about all the guys that entered the NBA draft and what we actually think about in terms of how likely they are to come back. Um, 
if every single one of the guys that declared for the NBA draft and has eligibility to come back leave, uh, it's going to be difficult, I think, to kind of see, you know, there's going to have to be a lot of development in season next year for them to be able to make another deep run. I don't know that that's necessarily a bad thing. They have a bunch of guys that could take a step forward. The real question is, are they going to be able to do it? And would you count on it? Um, but what we have seen is that Bill Self is really good at developing guys. And I think what a guy like Ochai Abaji and his story, right? He came in as a, he wasn't even a top 100 recruit, if I remember correctly, came in. They really liked what he did. You know, they pulled his red shirt really early because of some injury issues, but also just the fact that he was playing that well. And he develops into a, you know, a consensus All-American who wins MOP of the final four. Like that, that kind of development arc is really, really helpful for the program. It's really helpful for a guy like Bill Self. And it speaks to what his strengths are. He doesn't necessarily get the flashy recruits, the one and dones. He has a few of those every once in a while. Um, but what he is really good at is developing players, finding guys and developing them in such a way that they are going to go from, you know, wherever they were, increase their game and get themselves at the NBA. So I, I do think that there's a lot to be taken from, you know, what we've seen from these guys and the fact that this is such an, uh, you know, a, a senior laden program. Um, it means that there will be maybe some growing pains next year, but I don't know that that's necessarily a horrible thing. You know, you, you, you don't always expect to reload and go and, you know, to back to back. There's, there's a reason that only one team since, oh gosh, I think it's like the seventies went, you know, one back to back national titles. And it was Florida with a team that had a whole bunch of guys that probably should have gone to the NBA that decided to come back and win a second one. So. And there are some similarities maybe to, to the 2008 team and this one going into 2009 in terms of, you know, so like from 2008, it was very, you know, you had the, you had a lot of upperclassmen, plus you had a, a sophomore, Sean Collins, and a freshman, Cole Aldridge, who, you know, Cole had like th- average like three points a game as a freshman. And then by the next year, when it, like he's the guy, uh, much more, he, you know, jumps up to like 12 points and 11 rebounds a game. But then you had freshman, you had freshman Morris twins, you had freshman Tyshawn Taylor. They obviously, that was the, you know, that, that was a, uh, that was a disappointing year in terms of uh, the tournament run, but that was still a really good team. I mean, I think it was, uh, actually I pulled it up here, like 14 and two in the big 12, 27 and eight overall. So like there, there's some similarities maybe that you could, that you could see where you got some guys who are going to take a bigger role where it might not look at it because of this year, but now they're going to have the opportunity. Like I know we'll get this, like the front court situation next year is fascinating. And then you have some really talented freshmen coming in here, who, you know, it's hard to say they're, you're going to have two, like the Morris twins and Tyshawn on there. But I mean, Grady Dick is as talented as the scorer as we've probably seen in recent years and, and others. So there is, there are some parallels to be made to where, yeah, just because you are, you know, quote unquote, rebuilding, reloading, whatever, doesn't mean that expectations don't have to be winning the Big 12, being a top two seed and, and hopefully making second weekend type run. Yeah, for sure. So, so before we take a look at the NBA draft, uh, the, the players are declared and what we have for next year, let's just really kind of wrap up with the, the celebration. Obviously, uh, so, some of the big news, all of the, um, the barnstorming tour, uh, you know, locations, the, those stops for this weekend have been canceled, unfortunately, because of conflicts with some of the, some of the players, um, you know, for like NBA draft workouts and things like that. Um, you know, I, I think it kind of sucks for those that really wanted to go and get memorabilia signed and, you know, had the tickets for all of that. I do think, though, that it kind of makes sense. Like, you know, as we were talking about with so many different players that are beloved and so many different players you want to see, it's really hard to tell people that bought tickets to go see one of these guys that are going to be at a workout 
that they can't see them because, hey, guess what? They're gone. So rather refund everybody, find some other ways that you can kind of get them involved. Um, I, I think it kind of sucks. But do, do, did you see any problems with the way that they handled that? No, I don't think so. I think, I mean, I, I think the, the barnstorming has been great overall. And I think, you know, that this goes into, we could do a two hour podcast on just NIL and what the benefits have been in like this to Kansas be kind of becoming the poster children of like how you can make money after a title run and whatnot. But yeah, I, I get it. And and also like, it, it is a bummer that it's conflict, but it's also like, are you, uh, like, can you fault you know, obviously if you're, I, you know, I'm not, they weren't in Wichita. I know they were already in Wichita, but like, if you're, you know, wanting to go watch Ochai in a gym in Wichita, like, can you really blame him that he is trying to like up his draft stock and get ready for the next portion of his life where it's going to define his next 10, 15 years? Like, no. So I think, yeah, I don't, I didn't see a problem with it. I think it's, it's, it, it's a bummer, but it's also like, a, a, it's understandable. Yeah. It's, it's also one of those things. I saw a lot of people online criticizing, you know, um, six man, I forget what the actual name of the, of the cult of the, you know, firm yeah. that's putting it all together, but you know, talking about how like, oh, well, they should have been able to plan for this. Maybe they could have gotten started earlier, things like that. The problem is that most of those draft workouts, most of the, the you know, the pre-draft preparation stuff is not scheduled in stone. So like there is going to be stuff that's going to come up. You know, if one guy had to miss because of something like that, I could understand you would still do it. But from my understanding, there's four different people that are now unavailable for these weekend dates. And so, you know, it, that's too many players from, from there. You have to make the plans. You have to get all this set up. You have to reserve gyms. You have to do all this stuff. And so I don't blame any of these guys. Like, I think it just really sucks. It's just unfortunate circumstances outside of everyone's control. But I do, like you said, I love what they're doing here with the NIL. I think Kansas is setting the perfect example for, you know, future programs that win a title, the kinds of things you can do, you know, with the ways you can take advantage and benefit the students benefit these athletes. So I'm really happy about that. Like you said, we could probably do a two hour episode on NIL specifically. Uh, I actually am planning on doing some sort of NIL episodes, at least one or two during the summer. Um, so we will dive into that at some point, but you know, talking about all the merchandise, all of the different stuff, all of the celebration gear and everything that you can get you as well. If you have not gotten your, your memorabilia for the national championship, you still have an opportunity to go ahead and do that and get it at a discount by going to a sponsor here on the podcast, Homefield Apparel. Homefield Apparel is the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel anywhere. They have t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies. I'm actually wearing one. I just got, I uh, got a Houston one. Uh, you know, I, I got a bunch of different Big 12 ones and I really am enjoying that part of what I do over the 1012 podcast. But they have a national championship shirt over at Homefield is absolutely fantastic. I have one that's supposed, supposed to be on the way. Uh, I have to check in on that order, but I will be making sure that I get one and you can do it as well. Um, it's a it's a great shirt. It's a lot of fun. Um, I really enjoy the logo that they have. And while there's a ton of great things out there, Homefield is it has you know the best shirts. Like they are so comfortable. I absolutely love them. You too can go ahead and get your hands on one and get it at a discount. Save fifteen percent off your entire order. Not only that shirt, but any of the other shirts that you want. Uh, just use promo code Chalk Twelve. Get that fifteen percent off the entire order, and you get and all orders over hundred dollars get free shipping. Look. You're going to want home field stuff as we get into the summer months where it gets nice and hot. These are really nice shirts to have for that, and they look absolutely fantastic. So, again, head on over to homefieldapparel.com, promo code CHOCK12. Save 15% off your entire first order, and all orders over $100 get free shipping. All right, Kyle, I do want to talk hey, about – Can I, can oh, I yeah, go ahead. Field plug? Of course. I, know, I just want to say – so, I, and I will say this, true story. Uh, first time I wore my Kansas Relays home field apparel shirt that I got – had to run to, uh, to CVS, sick kid, picking up some medicine. And the guy behind the counter was like, is that a home field shirt? Like, yeah, it is. 
He's like, man, that's so cool. I'm like, I know, just got it. So anyway, like first time wearing it out, got recognized, got called out for home field. Yeah, see, Homefield is that good that people can recognize Homefield just by someone wearing it. So, all right, we are going to talk about the NBA player or the the draft. The ugh, sorry, the players that <laughs> that declared for the NBA draft and the roster for next year. But before we do that, I need to throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Hey there, 1012 Network listeners. This is Dustin from the Scott and Holman Podcast, the original Houston Cougar athletics podcast, and the latest member of the 1012 Network. Uh, my co-host, Sam, do you want to tell the fine folks what the Scott and Holman Podcast is all about? I sure do. We come on here at least once a week, and we talk all things going on in the world of Houston Cougar sports. Plus, we usually find time for some of what's going on in our future conference, our current conference, and really the college sports world at large. We're not just a football, men's basketball podcast. We really pride ourselves here on the fact that every single team that wears the Scarlet and Albino in Houston and their jerseys gets time on our show. Plus, from time to time, we bring on some guests ranging from opposing team experts to even former Olympic great Carl Lewis. So be sure to search the Scott and Holman podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember, we spell podcast P-A-W-D cast because we are oh so funny like that. And we're back here with Kyle Davis, editor over at uh, Blue Wings Rising, talking about or wrapping up kind of the uh, the 2022 basketball season and then looking ahead to kind of what the roster stuff is going to happen during the year. We already talked about the team that we had. Now let's take a look at what's happening moving into next year. Obviously, four players for the Jayhawks declared for the NBA draft that technically have eligibility. Um, Ochai Abaji, David McCormick, Jalen Wilson, and Christian Brown. First of all, let's go ahead and start with this. Do you expect any of those players to come back? I think if you're ranking likelihood, I think Jalen's the most likely to come back. I think the most I think I I think Ochai and David are gone and completely understand. Like, I don't know what else you have left to accomplish in college. I think uh, Jalen's probably the one where he could really, you know, if he can put a whole season together and depending on what the feedback he gets, you know, this season I think could have been that, but the, the DUI and then the rocky start, like he kind of got off to a slow start. I think the rebounding's there, but some of the scoring and just the finishing, I, I think he's probably the most likely to get the feedback to say, hey, another year of college is going to be really good for you. Christian's a fascinating case because on the one hand, he's got all the momentum coming off the national title run. He played really well. But then on the other hand, you have the, the obvious comps of, you know, could he he's basically in the same situation Ochai was. There's probably some things like I, I, I think from stuff I've read, too, is like if he could. uh if he could get his three-point shooting uh, uh, to take another step up, like he had a big jump between uh, the two years ago and last year, his defense probably could improve a little bit, just some of his like on-ball kind of like creating for himself. And he still just has, you know, he had those times, he, he was very clutch in the NCAA tournament, but he also tended to disappear a bit. And so I, his, the feedback part of it is going to be fascinating for him, I think. And I think really he, it could be either way. I would not fault him at all if he, uses the momentum he has right now. And if he's, if he's guaranteed a first round pick, then that's great. Jalen, I don't know if he's going to be guaranteed a first round pick, which is why I think given NIL and the fact that you're not leaving, like he's going to be, he, he could probably, you know, do you risk it on the second round non-guaranteed contract, you know, maybe like a, a two way, or do you come back, make, you know, six figures playing again for Kansas and really be like the guy in the front court 
that's why I think Jalen probably has the best chances of coming back. Christian, it's really hard to tell. I meant to, I need to look and see kind of mock drafts. Last time I looked, he was floating in the like high twenties somewhere around there. Uh, and I can look it up real quick as well, but yeah, he's, he's a fascinating case for sure. And I honestly, I can tell you, I think he's probably gone, but I would not, it, it, it wouldn't be a complete shock if he came back. Yeah, for me, I've been waffling back and forth on whether I think that Brown or Wilson are more likely to come back. I, I do agree with you. McCormick is gone. I don't know what else he can do here. I think it's time for him to go make money professionally. Um, and, you know, of course, Ochai, I'm fairly certain that Ochai is going to be a lottery pick. Um, and if not, like, he's going to be really close to it. He's definitely a first round. And again, I don't know how much more he can do to really get himself in a position to improve that draft stock. Um, so the thing that I am wondering about, right, because Jalen Wilson declared for the draft last year, went through the process, got all his feedback. Um, they no longer have the rule that when you declare for the second time, you have to stay in. So Wilson can still come back if he wants to. But what, you know, I almost feel like this is kind of like with uh, Remy Martin last year, right, where he got all of his feedback, was told like what he needed to do and came back and tried to put himself in a situation to do that. It seemed like Wilson had a similar sort of thing where he was told, like these are the things that you need to do. I don't I don't know how much more of his game he actually has to show. So like while I don't necessarily think that he for sure is going, I would not be surprised if he went and Brown came back. Um partly because I also the thing that I wonder about with Brown is if he comes back, he is going to make a killing in NIL stuff. Like he is going to be the poster child for this team. You know, he is out there often enough people want to talk about him. You know, he reminds me a lot of Kind of not, not to the degree that he's a dirty player, but like he's a player that a bunch of people love to hate, you know, kind of like a Grayson Allen, um, where everybody's going to talk about how much of an a-hole he is. He's going to be like really well known and he has a chance to actually put together a really good season and potentially improve his draft stock. The last I saw, I've, I see mocks with Brown going middle of the second round. Um, and so like it's one of those things where if he's not guaranteed, you know, if, if he doesn't have teams telling him that he's going to make it in the first round, I could see an instance where he comes back. He could make quite a bit of money doing NIL here at Kansas and be kind of the face of this team and, you know, push them for some success. The real and, and then ideally improve his draft stock. And so I do think that there's a really good shot that Brown could be back. That doesn't necessarily help Kansas with some of the problems with their roster for next year. Um, because I think, you know, the four is where they're going to have the biggest spot, like in terms of openings and trying to figure out how to fill that. And Wilson would slot into there a whole lot better than Brown would, but I could see either of those two coming back. But if I had to guess, I probably would say that both of them are probably gone at this point, which is a little weird for me to say. Um, but I just, I don't know. I get the feeling that Wilson is probably leaning more towards going and unless he's told he's not getting drafted, uh, which is definitely a possibility. But like, I don't know that him coming back, he's going to be able to necessarily do too much. So I guess we'll just kind of have to see. But, uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah. I, I think it's honestly, it's going to be. The next, so I, I think they have until June first. I think is the cutoff, right, for coming back. I, I think the next three weeks are going to be pretty, pretty crucial because, to your point, like even Christian, I, I'm doing some some just like quick searching here while you're talking. I see him everywhere, anywhere from thirtieth in the Ringers draft, which uh, would be you know into the first round, to see another one that's thirty eight. So you're you know now not even one of the couple first picks in the second round. And to your point too, like, I think that's one of those things where can you get a first round guarantee? Like, can he do enough in his work, in his workouts over the next three weeks 
to get a first round guarantee. And it does seem like I, I don't know. I'm not in his head. Who knows what he is thinking? But it, it almost seems like if, if, if you can get that first round guarantee, you like the fit, you kind of have some, you know, combos worked out with teams. Great. If, if it's still looking like mid second round, then yeah, is, you know, I, I think the other thing is that I think he's, so unlike others where, you know, maybe it's, it's a body type or something else, like he has an NBA type body. I see like the cons here is streaky shooter, you know, not an elite ball handler, struggles to guard quicker players. Like that's all stuff that over the off season that he could kind of transform in the way that, that Ochai did and really, you know, step up on defense uh, in terms of his goal. Like he could have the ball in his hands more, especially in, you know, depending on how we'll talk about what this roster looks like, but just with some of those moves and especially if Jalen goes, he could be, have like a higher usage rate. So yeah, I, I think the next three weeks are going to be pretty crucial for both of them, but especially for Christian, because he's right on the line there, depending on who you ask. And, you know, I, it, it's probably comes down to, to how much of a guarantee you get. Yeah, and, and, and it's weird. I almost feel like Christian needs to be guaranteed something higher than Wilson does to be able to jump because maybe that's just my complete misunderstanding of the NIL space and kind of what's there. It just feels like there's more opportunities for Christian Brown to make more money here at Kansas than a guy like Jalen Wilson. And again, I could be completely misreading some advertisers or, you know, certain people that want to work with Jalen Wilson. This is just my personal opinion. I don't have any inside knowledge or anything like that, but just the way that Christian markets himself, the way that he has already kind of made some of those inroads, I could see him being a player that makes bank here at Kansas, you know, with a, with a, a fan base that's as rabid as they are if he comes back. So, you know, and he's a hometown guy like that. Right. Yeah. That, too, that helps too. a lot too. Regionality is big. So, yeah. yeah. So, right. So, okay. All right. So, so let's go ahead. We're, we're running short on time here. So let's take a look at this roster for next year. Let's just operate under the assumption that all of them leave. Um, because I think that's where it kind of gets the most interesting. Like, if Brown stays, he's starting for sure. If Wilson stays, he's starting for sure. And we can talk about who actually would, you know, hit on the bench. But I am having a hard time feeling out what I think this roster is going to look like. And honestly, even the starting lineup is going to look like, um, you know, if all of those guys are gone, like, I don't know who you play at the four. Like, Dewan Harris is going to be the, the starting point guard. You know, you've got... You've got guys that are going to fill in. Like, I think, I think you could take your pick of Zach Clements or KJ Adams that would play at the five. I think Clements probably has the, the early, you know, lead on that potentially, but I could be talked into either one of those. But like, you know, I don't, I don't know who you have that can play a four that's going to be on that roster. Um, you know, MJ Rice probably doesn't slot in as a four for me. Grady Dick probably slots in as a two or a three. So like, what, what are your thoughts in terms of how this roster, how this starting lineup gets filled out? And, and what holes do you think that they have going into next year? I think the the front court is the biggest question mark right now. And there's so many pieces that could go. Like you look at, so if you're looking at, at you know, point guard, Harris is coming out back. I, I'm pretty excited for Pettiford if he's uh, healthy to see if he can kind of be that secondary ball handler, come in, give Harris some breaks so he doesn't have to play 36 minutes a game. The wings, you've got just an immense talent if, uh, uh, or immense batch of talent if, Christian comes back, plus you got Grady Dick, plus you're, you're right, like MJ Rice. Uh, and then, you know, I'm, I'm excited for to see what, uh, you know, Yesifu can do as kind of that secondary ball handler as well. The, I, you, you're, so you're, yeah, you're right. Clements probably has the best chance of the five. You have Cam Martin coming off a red shirt who can, who can 
at least spread the defense out as probably like a big four, small five, maybe, you know, and there, and then you're really young. You've got, uh, I always, so Ernest, is it Yuda? I still, I butcher his name sometimes, but you know, he's, he's going to, he's six ten. He's got some size. He's a freshman coming in. Um, you know, Zuby is, is six, eight. So like, maybe I, you could play, I haven't watched enough film like on, on all of them to know, like you, you're going to have pieces, but they're all going to be really young or they've been in their program, but you haven't seen them yet. Like a Cam Martin. And then KJ Adams, I think is probably a four. I think from what I heard throughout the season, he kind of fancied himself as a three more and like to be on the perimeter. <laughs> but I think he's, he's got to uh... be a four. And especially the way I think on defense, the way that, he's going to be able to guard like that's going to be his biggest asset right now is if yeah. you have a that that like like Paulo Bancaro type for Duke this year where is a four but can you know go out on the perimeter like you need someone who can guard that type of player and I think I think uh KJ can and then the fascinating thing too with the with the wings is that if one of them does leave you've got you know potentially Tyrese Hunter who wants to come here You've got Isaiah Mosley, who I guess we're on, you know, Kansas on the short list. And then you have uh, another Big 12 uh, in conference with Kevin McCullers, who it sounds like it's kind of Kansas and Gonzaga as the front runner, last I heard. And to have him, I think I would take Hunter over McCullers right now if I had to choose and I was built self. But again, you're, you're fine. Your, your challenges on the wing are <laughs> you have so many resources. How do you, how do you kind of use all those toys? The front court, is yeah, you've got either some inexperience, either the freshman or like Clements didn't play a ton. Cam Martin redshirted, KJ he's kind of that maybe four, and and I think it's just going to be a lot of like see what you got in the summer, see what you got through fall. But I could see you know this year we got spoiled with you knew the starting lineup every single every single game this year. I don't know that we're going to see that especially early. I can see a lot of tinkering, and you know how Bill Self likes to potentially sacrifice some some immediate success in December or November in order to have success in March. Like I think this could be one of those years where he is tinkering with the lineup. He's, he's trying to get a feel for his guys. And especially on the front court, he's going to figure out who can stand out, who can he can trust if they're in a title, a, a conference title race in February, or even, you know, a title race in terms of the second round of the or second weekend of the NCAA tournament in March. Yeah. I mean, and it's one of those things too, where like you look at the roster situation Assuming that Brown and Wilson both come back, they don't have any scholarships available. Um, so like those transfer decisions, you know, it sounds like McCullers and Tyrese Hunter and like all of these potential transfers are waiting to figure out what are Christian Brown and Jalen Wilson going to do. If both of them are gone, yeah, you have a really good opportunity to pick up some really good players that could come and fill some of those holes. Um, I think the biggest problem right now, though, is you don't know how many of them are going to wait, right? So, like, I could see McCullers if if his you know if his if his choices were between, I don't know, I'm just throwing out another a fairly good team, but like if if it was between Kansas and say I don't know Miami, right? Um, just because Miami's like throwing money around. Has, has Miami uh, gotten any guys through NIL deals recently or something that you? Yeah, you know that's why. <laughs> anyway, no, no, like, but like if it was between those two, right? Then I, I could see waiting and holding out for Kansas, but Gonzaga is not a team, right? That is like, oh well, I may not have as much success there. I may not be able to, you know, do stuff as well. Like, I don't know how long he's willing to wait to make a decision, right? And so, so I think that's really kind of the big question there. So, 
Um, it'll be interesting to see how all that kind of shakes out. I don't really have any additional thoughts to add about the roster, but we are actually really short on time. So I think we're going to go ahead and wrap it up there. We will be talking more about the roster throughout the summer as news becomes available. Obviously, when all the transfers happen, we'll be talking about the players in the NBA draft when they get drafted, when they make their decisions, all that fun stuff. So we will stay up to date on the basketball team and everything kind of going on throughout the offseason. But uh, Kyle, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not already, please do go out wherever you get your podcasts, where it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast. You can subscribe and get every episode as soon as it comes out. If you can give us a rating and a review, five stars, nice comments, would be absolutely fantastic. But if not, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys, get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, Maybe you want to try to interview anything like that. You can contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. We are part of the anchor platform, so you can leave us a voicemail. Get your voice on the show. We want to know what you guys want us to talk about during the summer. So the best way to do that is go to anchor.fm slash rock-talk-podcast slash message, and I promise we'll get you on the show. Um, we are also part of the 1012 Podcast Network, covering all the teams in the Big 12 Conference. We have 10 podcasts over there right now doing a lot of great coverage. I highly recommend you check all of them out. Just go over on Twitter at TEN12Network and you can find links to all the great shows that we have. But uh, that's going to do it for us tonight. Make sure you visit our sponsor here on the podcast, Homefield Apparel. Promo code CHOCK12 to get you 15% off your entire first order. But thank you guys so much for listening. We will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Welcome to Between Two Bears, the newest 1012 Network podcast. Uh, this is Matt is Bear. I'm going to introduce my co-host, Evan Abair, uh, to give you a quick idea of what the show is about. Yeah, Between Two Bears is going to be a it's going to be a great sorry. Between Two Bears is going to be a great look at the silly and sometimes stupid. Between Two Bears is going to be a great look at the silly and sometimes stupid side of Baylor sports. Hey, I'm going to try one more time. Between two... Be- okay, uh, Evan. Evan's going to go take a nap. Um, but we are excited to join the 1012 Network along with the rest of their already great lineup of Big 12 podcasts. Check them out at 1012 Network on Twitter and us as well, at Matt is Bear and at Evan Hebert. Uh, Sick'em Bears. Podcast Network.